Welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hello and thanks again for tuning in to this podcast. Today, uh, I'm, I'm feeling somewhat overwhelmed and um, hopefully by the time we've chatted through this, you'll, you'll have caught some of, some of my feeling. I just felt that uh, the Lord was asking me to study the social and economic impact of Jesus, um, particularly through the miracles he did. So not just focusing on the fact that he healed somebody, but what did that do to their social standing, their economic standing, their their, their place in society? And uh, I, I know as believers, we, we long for more of the kingdom of God, more influence to be seen in our world. And, and we a lot of us have a lot of value for social justice, relief of the poor, healing of the brokenhearted, having a voice for the voiceless, all, all wonderful things. And things we aspire to and we can quote Jesus after his baptism <clears throat> where he says that he came to release the oppressed um, but I thought I'd, I'd really felt what the Holy Spirit was asking me is to look back into scripture back into the gospels and see see actually what did Jesus do to achieve these things and he was he was incredibly successful in his three three and a half years of of, of ministry and, and so i'm just going to go take us through some of the miracles but look at the the wider context the wider impact and at the end of it i'm hoping you'll be as gobsmacked as i am uh, and that uh, this will help us refocus on keeping the main thing the main thing um because jesus had a amazing success and I don't think he went about it the way that a lot of us have been going about this. So the first miracle Jesus did was water into wine, John 2, 1 to 11. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I will give you references. And there's not time to look at every single miracle, but I'm going to look at some of the main ones. Um, basically here, we know the story. They run out of wine for the wedding. His mom puts him under pressure to do something about it. And so he does, and then uh, the the quality of the the wine that he makes out of water gets compliments. They've saved the best till till last, and, and these compliments are coming to the bridegroom. So, so uh, obviously there's some social and economic spin-offs to the fact that there was an incredible miracle where water came to wine. So it certainly saved the face of the bridegroom and whoever else was organising or funding this affair. It certainly meant they got higher quality wine for free so so there was definitely a social standing um element to this that was that was aided by this miracle and also there was just this this sense of jesus joining in making this celebration a great success uh, the next one I just want to refer to is the the healing of the nobleman's son and uh, this applies to to a number of the healings and resurrections um because this this one is in john four forty six um here's a loving father and a household you know, grieving but the grief of many is saved basically by Jesus intervening and healing this son and so they all turn and believe in him um a miraculous catch of fish. 
that was actually the key moment, if you like, in Peter's conversion or Peter coming to follow the Lord and, as a fisherman. And, and you find it in Luke 5. It, I mean, this is so large that two boats are sinking. Expert fishermen, they've been fishing all night, Jesus says, set out. Go back out there, they cast their nets, and they are they are about to drown because of the giant size of the fish uh, fish catch. And, and the outcome of this is that Peter falls to his knees and says to, to Jesus, "Go away from me, Lord! I'm a sinful man." Um, what I can see here is this is this is a giant catch of fish but this was their business they were businessmen this was worth a significant amount of money i, I wonder if this was a catch of fish that, that then then funded their their first phase of missions work with jesus because they said they basically they left their business and followed him after this but but there was an economic impact a giant economic impact from this giant catch of fish and there was a deep emotional impact on on peter uh it, it, He'd never seen anything like it. it. Made him fall down and repent. The goodness of God brought about this guy's repentance. Uh, and there's tons of examples of Jesus healing lepers. Uh, one you can look up is in Mark one verse forty. And what we have to think about is every time he healed a leper, it meant a number of things to that leper. Um, so lepers were socially isolated. That to live outside of the city. They couldn't work. They couldn't gather with the people of God for for worship. So they were spiritually isolated, religiously isolated, socially isolated, and economically at the bottom of the pile. Um, so ev for every e every one of them that is miraculously healed, there is now the ability to get work, now the ability to enter the temple, now the ability to live in a normal house with normal people. They are socially restored, economically restored, and and, and religiously restored. Um, the, the, there's an instance where Jesus raises the widow's son from from the dead in, in Luke seven, and again here is a woman because of the culture of the day. Her husband has died. She's now dependent on the son, and the son dies. And if you look at the story of Ruth and Naomi. In the Old Testament, you see the trouble that women could get into and suddenly there's no men around that husbands die because they're so dependent in this sort of patriarchy. So this this lady, obviously, there's, there's the wonder of the resurrected son, but it also means that her life, ha she has a future uh, and she has an income and she she can continue... Her, her, if you like, her hopes, her, her future is much more secured by the fact that her son is now not just healthy, but resurrected from the dead. Um, the woman from the issue of blood it is a similar thing. There's a woman, and uh, you find that in Luke 8, 8, that has been bleeding for 12 years. Most of you will know the story. It's worth reading again. She's been uh, had an issue of blood, a bleeding for 12 years. She's spent all she has on doctors, so... The outcome of her illness is she's broke and poor. The outcome of her illness, again, she's socially isolated because she's ceremonially unclean, so people won't want to touch her because of her constant bleeding, and that's all written into the law, which is the world they were living in at that time. And she was also isolated in terms of her observance of her faith because she couldn't enter the temple, again, because she was ceremoniously unclean. 
in a moment, in a touch, when she touched Jesus and this stopped, her world changed. Suddenly, her, her, her economic prospects changed, her social status changed, her ability to worship changed. So, so it wasn't just the, the, the healing of her body, which was incredibly miraculous. And each of these things are incredibly miraculous. A, a, a healing of a leper, a raising of the dead. But it's then the social and economic impact on those individuals and those around them are very, very significant. And if you look at the, the story of the healing of the Gerasene demoniac, that's in Luke 8, and, and it's also elsewhere in in the in the gospels um here's a man who's feared by the people locally they've tried binding him in chains he's living in absolute squalor he's living in the graveyard uh he's naked um and therefore socially excluded all the things of these other people uh that we've referred to true of him he's economically destitute he's socially excluded religiously and in terms of practice of his faith if he had one he's got no hope jesus heals this man delivers this man and it says of him by the time jesus is done with him that day he's clothed and in his right mind to the point at which he sends him back to his own people to tell of what the lord has done for him this this guy suddenly can reintegrate with society all these people i'm talking about can reintegrate with society and and just Maybe finally, the healing of the blind man, the the man the man born blind, but Jesus healed several blind men. But just focus for a moment on on the one in, in the book of John, where the the guy who's born blind, uh, Jesus spits, he makes mud, and he puts it in his eyes. Now, these guys were begging to stay alive, and one of the significance of the spit is that particularly people born blind, were seen as like cursed by God because of the sins of their fathers. So in their bloodline, again, you can read that in uh, in the law in the Old Testament. So uh, people would spit on them, believing they were joining in the curses that God had put on these people. So here's Jesus, and he comes along, and, and the blind man can hear Jesus spitting. But Jesus used the spit to heal him, not to curse him. And suddenly this man is utterly free. And again, he's no longer a social reject. He's no longer, he's no longer a, re, a, a religious re, reject. He's not excluded from the faith. He's not seen as some pariah or, or carrying some horrible curse. His, his whole life is turned around. Not just, it's not just that his sight has been regained. And, I, and So each of these things, each of these miracles... The blind, the issue of blood, the leprosy, the, the raising of a dead son, and so on and so on. Each time this happened, you're reintroducing one or many people into society who, to become economically active, socially active, re-engage with friends. They can now, they can now go back to the temple. They can worship. The, the, there's, there's, this, this is very exciting for them and their loved ones and the ones that are affected affected by it and and you can as i studied this though i got more and more excited because i started to think and start to read through in the book of of john and think about what the cumulative impact could be of this kind of activity so i've gone through some individual stories here that are littered through the scripture 
but in John 21, John, in you know, kind of wrapping up his gospel, he says, now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Um, now, you've got to remember that John deliberately structures his gospel around seven miracles, eight, if you include the resurrection. OK, so it's structured that way. His teaching in his gospel is is built around these seven miracles. And so he's saying there are many other things, many other powerful things, miracle things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's extraordinary. Uh, when when uh, when John the prophet is in prison, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, look, are you the one who's having some doubts? Jesus says this to them, he says, go tell John that what you hear, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is everyone who's not offended by me. I mean, he was doing this every day, day after day, day in, day out, for close to three and a half years. The blind were receiving their sight, etc., etc. And John's conclusion is, if we wrote in detail of every single miracle impact that Jesus had, the world wouldn't contain them. Now, it's really easy to dismiss that statement as some kind of hyperbole, like exaggeration. I don't think it's there for that reason. I don't think the Bible's written that that way. I think he's, he's, he's saying that, at least as he's thought this through, as he lived this this whirlwind of a three and a half years around the miracle work in Jesus, that the amount of miracles was astonishing. I mean, you have whole villages. In fact, that you have whole regions coming out to Jesus for healing. And it says all who touched him were healed. Do you have... Probably like you've got the healing of the, sorry, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. Most people estimate you can double those because that's how many men were there. So at least double that for women, children. So there's, you know, there's pushing 20,000 people affected by a visible, tangible miracle in the life of Jesus uh, over a two or three day period for uh for each of those miracles so add it add it up for the thousand plus days that he's around there's multiple multiple miracles and every single one of them i would suggest to you is having a ripple effect into the economy of judea it's having a ripple effect into palestine it's having a ripple effect into those families it's a ripple effect to the friends of those people it's having a ripple effect that suddenly People who were lepers are now applying for jobs and getting them. So, suddenly people who haven't been in temple for decades are showing up. And, and there's not it's not just three or four. It, it's tens, it's twenties, it's hundreds, it's thousands of them. And, and so this 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 is a building momentum. This is a this is a movement that is from the grassroots up affecting the social, economic, and religious atmosphere of this nation. It's really hard to find an accurate picture of how many people lived in Palestine then, but maybe two and a half, maybe two and a half million. So you can see that you also have to remember Jesus didn't just do this alone. He sent out the 12, he sent out the 72. They saw the same thing happen. So tens, possibly hundreds of thousands of people are being touched by the miracle power of God. And, and at the 
towards the end of Jesus' life, this thing has got so much momentum that it's become an incredible threat. So after the raising of Lazarus, I'm just going to read this to you from John 11. This is, I think this is, just feels more significant now in the context of all the things we've just spent some time working our way through. John 11, after Lazarus has been raised from the, raised from the dead, many of the Jews, therefore, who'd come with Mary, Lazarus's sister, and seen what Jesus had done, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council, which was kind of the ruling body, and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. I just want to underline that. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were predicting not far hence they were predicting the outcome of this grand swell movement this momentum created by jesus and his disciples was going to be a complete upheaval of the current status quo politically and economically so jesus without ever having a political party by refusing to be made king by the people never leading an army is revolutionizing their environment to the degree that these rulers in this council feel their job is under threat and they are they are not willing for that to happen uh, and so jesus is basically upending the world but he's not done it in the way that we might imagine there's no military might here there's no political party there's no there's no kind of organized campaign in the sense that we would understand it in the modern world but upheaval there certainly is challenge to the existing power structures there certainly is nervousness and fear at the top levels of society because of the momentum and change there certainly is and i want to suggest to you that the the, the miracle move produced an economic social and religious shockwave that built all through the society to the point that the ruler, current rulers felt incredibly threatened and that's when they made plans to kill him they weren't they weren't going to go oh well look at this this man's raising the dead maybe we should believe they were going to protect their position with violence and they were going to protect their position by uh, manipulating the crowds back to their side um, I want to suggest to you that, th that this challenges us, that this challenges us to make sure what we're seeking and how we're seeking to be the salt and light in our world, how we're seeking to be transformational, has the, the, the tip of the spear is the right thing. And I know for many of us, we have a lot of disappointments and difficulties and challenges around the realm, realm pardon me, of the miraculous and healing but you, you you can't read the scripture without seeing the centrality of it to the life of jesus to the success of of his ministry and and i, I believe it's worth us accepting that challenge on the chin and making it renewing it as our priority uh, 
because I believe out of that will flow social justice. Out of that, there will be greater freedoms. The oppressed will be released. The downtrodden will be lifted up. Many, many people who are downtrodden uh, are, are economically paralyzed or destitute due to health issues, for instance, or, or mental health issues. Uh, friends, if, if, if we can start to see even a fraction of this, and I believe all of this is available to us, we just need to learn to tap into what is available to us in the Lord Jesus. We can change our world and all the things we desire in terms of social justice can start to be ours as we kind of make this main thing the main thing and we're seeing that and the friends of ours we we have a, a a relational leaders family called kingdom legacy and in that that family in the last six seven months we've seen more than seven people healed of cancer some of them in quite critical states we're being but then being given doctor's letters just saying it has gone it's very very exciting and curable diseases are being healed in the uk right now by the power of jesus we just need to see it multiplied up a few hundred times but that that can happen as we all get on board as we all give this a go and yes it's scary yes it's challenging but let's not be like the the pharisees who just want to protect their position and protect what they'd invested in let's be willing to adjust our focus i mean the times we're living in surely if there's a time to reset our focus it's right it's right now see if there's a, a space where we can actually do the resetting it's right now and maybe whole churches if you're a church leader think about making sure this is at least part of the ministry of your church that there is training for miracles you're tapping into people who've got some success and understanding in this realm and that's influencing your leadership and the atmosphere of your church and the practice of your church because i believe god wants to make this something that happens in your environment every single week if you're an individualist to this have a go pray for someone you know pray for someone you meet i've prayed for taxi drivers i've prayed for people online i've prayed in all kinds of weird and wonderful ways and seen god do just do do stuff i mean it's deeply challenging because this is something we can't do ourselves now don't get me wrong D doing stuff for social justice is costly and challenging and, and and wonderful but there are people doing that who don't know jesus the only way you can see someone healed is out of a place of knowing jesus we're the only people with this trick we're the only people with this advantage we're the only people with this even other religions don't have this this is our calling card this singles us out this gives us a unique advantage um so so i just want to i just want to challenge some maybe some of your presuppositions of how we're going to change the world and, and challenging myself deeply like such momentum in the life of jesus uh made such a massive impact and i i i'm with you i'm wanting the world to change and i want it to be better and i believe that jesus has sent us as believers to change the world we are the light of the world and uh, we're, we're not here to get darker we're not here to just turn the lights out when it's all over we're here to uh, to brighten the world for everybody else we are the, we are its light we are it, it, it it's brilliance we are its hope and so i just want to pray for us all really as i issue this 
wonderful challenge and uh, uh, if you're feeling overawed then you're with me so father thank you for the example of jesus it's it's plain it's black and white in the page you recorded it for us now more than two thousand years ago this is how he turned the world upside down i pray for us everyone listening i pray for me we would have more success in this we'd be more focused on this and we would increasingly see in our in our world in our countries in our nations the world being turned upside down because the kingdom of heaven is being manifest on earth in jesus name amen thanks for joining me talk to you next time thank you for listening find us on instagram facebook or search hope church glasgow on your favorite podcast player